Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 58, which begins with Max and the Grease Rat shooting the breeze, and it ends with Jesse and Sprague leaving the shop with some ice cream. So we pick up this minute as Jesse is driving away, and the Grease Rat just launches right back into small talk with Max. Doesn't even skip a beat. Nope. And Max just isn't interested. Oh, no, not at all. And so Lots of mm-hmm and yeah and just very non-committal, not giving the grease rat any material to bounce off of. Yeah. Meanwhile, the grease rat is just talking about how he would love to go on a driving tour, just take a vacation sometime. Yeah. And it made me think, okay, he's a small business owner. Uh, we're nearing the breakdown of society. Like, how strapped for cash is he? Like, he could, he could just take off for a week, put a sign in the window and just take off because I got to wonder like how hefty are the municipal burdens of taxation and whatnot in this day and age. He's probably more beholden to a corrupt official that's going to keep the officials off his back, you know, paying Peter to keep Paul away type of thing. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's not the actual metaphor that people use in these day and age. I kind of changed it a little bit, but even so, I don't, never having been a small business over, owner, I don't know why he in this economic situation that's presented in the movie can't just go on vacation. <laughs> I, I think of it like when you're a small business owner, consistency is key. You have to establish yourself as being dependable, that when somebody needs you, you're going to be there. And that when you say you're going to be there, you're going to be there. Mm -hmm. So if he starts disappointing his clientele that, you know, somebody, somebody comes up, needs a flat tire fixed and he's not there, they're going to go somewhere else. Well, the next time they're in the area and they need something fixed, they're going to go to the place that they've experienced. So I think that is definitely a motivation for small business owners in general, that consistency mm. you never know when you're going to bring in a new customer who is then going to be a loyal customer from that point forward i can and appreciate missing that. those opportunities is worth not taking a vacation yeah which can, is a shame i can definitely appreciate that and not that this podcast is a business um, it's definitely more of a hobby but i can appreciate you know keeping up a consistency Yes. Not disappearing for a week at a time and not posting anything new. Yes. And we do have we do have a bit more of a luxury of freedom than like an actual storefront store a small business owner. But we still have to be aware of th things, events in our schedule that are coming up and plan accordingly. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, we're like, okay, well, we're going to be on hiatus from this month to this month, you know, this is when we are free to go roaming and not worry about keeping up our recording schedule and and stuff. And and that it's it's so much easier to plan things during that time. And yeah, so I definitely sympathize. In this small talk where the grease rat bemoans his lack of fortune to go roaming, uh, he asks which way Max is going. And he doesn't even give Max an opportunity to reply. He just says, which way are you headed? North? And... The, the question of direction. 
stood out to me. Because geographically speaking, so Melbourne is pretty much about as far south as you can go on the Australian continent as far as large cities are concerned. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a big bay. You can go actually further south than Melbourne without going to Tasmania. And there are other towns. There's more stuff there. But as far as like large metropolitan areas, Melbourne's pretty much the last thing. So if you have a young couple with a small child driving from Melbourne up to Craigieburn, where the wreckers were located... Yeah, they're already heading north, and so it makes sense for the Grease Rat to assume which way you headed north, because that's already the direction they've been heading. But the location that we're going to see Jesse going to in the real world is about 87 kilometers southwest of Craigieburn. (laughs) And so this whole question of direction really makes my head spin, because nothing really makes sense when you directly go from movie geography over to real-world geography. Right. Like, we already talked about that back when we were in Clunes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so when Max replies with, uh, maybe, to the question of him going going north... Yeah, that seems pretty accurate. Yeah. Of course he wouldn't know which way they're going, because nobody knows where they're going, because everything was just filmed everywhere. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we jump over to Jesse... Mm-hmm. Driving down the road. Now, what's the name of the road in real world? Do you So, this road is called Avalon Foreshore Road, and she's driving into kind of a small little beachside community called Avalon Beach, Victoria. There's an Avalon Beach up in Melbourne, but that's more built up and fancy free. Down here in Avalon Beach, Victoria, it's described on the crew commentary as kind of this nice little 1940s, 1950s hidden away beach village that you know, not too many people go to. Yeah. And so this road, Avalon Foreshore Road, kind of goes out on a jetty through this kind of, what's it called, where in high tide it's filled in and low tide it's marshy? Is it a floodplain? No. No. I don't think it has a special name. Yeah. Um, So Avalon Foreshore Road goes out to this community. And so they found it and they wanted to film there. And it's it's a nice little area. Yeah, I definitely sure. see why they wanted to film there. I, I really like the scene where she's driving down the road. There's water on both sides. It's a beautiful blue sky day, which the beautiful blue sky day made me realize that we don't see those that often. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's overcast. Uh, but this is, it's a beautiful scene. The water is nice and blue and the grass is nice and green. And they definitely picked a good time to film in that area because it's high tide. High tide. The Google Maps aerial view and more street level view, they took all those pictures at low tide. And so the whole area is just much more... Muddy. Muddy is a good word for Mm -hmm. it. Nowhere near as picturesque as what we see here. Yes. And I mean, we have an area like that near us. Mm -hmm. That high tide, it's beautiful. Low tide, it is really gross. Yeah, especially... Yeah, over by the uh, the coast, there's a lot of marsh. Yes. A lot of marshy areas. So as soon as that tide goes out, it's just mud and vegetation and animals and things like that. Mm-hmm. Nowhere near as appetizing. It's funny you say appetizing because I was just going to mention the low tide is when you go clamming. That's true. So... <laughs> One thing that really stood out to me of the, in this shot as the van is driving down uh, Foreshore Road is that the passenger side of the van is not painted like the driver's side of the van. Because we mentioned they have that kind of space mural yeah. on the back window. I'm guessing that's a visibility thing. Could be. Because think about when you're in... Okay, not you, because you drive a smart car, so... 
that's totally different. But me, where I drive a long car, in the driver's seat, that window that's painted relative to me, I can't see that window at all. I'm not looking out it, it doesn't matter. I the, it Having that covered over means nothing to me. But when I'm looking at my blind spot on the opposite side, on the passenger side, I have to be able to see out that window. Yeah, yeah. So it makes sense that if you're gonna cover a window completely, it would be the windows behind the driver on that side of the car. Are you, you're sitting here lamenting your smart car. Yeah, you reminded me of the fact that I drive a smart car. Yes. And it bummed me out. But you also ride a motorcycle, so. I just, I'm tired of, as we're recording this, winter is still happening. <laughs> yes. And it's bumming me and out. And the bike's not out yet. I'm really hoping that when this episode actually does come out, that spring will finally be here. Yes. Because this uh, episode is airing on April 19th, and it'll be midway through April, and hopefully... Actually, not midway, it's mostly way through April, and it's like, I I just want it to... And spring will be in full force, you will have your bike out. I want it to be that way. Yes. (laughs) All right, where were we? Okay, Jesse is driving down the road. Um, We are hearing nice, light, like, happy music. It's not too, too happy. It's not like happy-go-lucky. It's just nice music. Yeah, very light. Yes. So then she pulls into this town. There's like a few houses, like very much like beachy houses. Yeah. Over to one side. And then the the camera pans down and to the right a little bit. And we see a bunch of motorcycles. And we see a bunch of motorcycles. And the music is fantastic here. It like dips down and gives us a little dun-dun-dun type sounds. And we see Kundalini sitting there. Mm -hmm. Now you mentioned that you thought that Kundalini made a very poor lookout. So you think he was out he was out there as a lookout. Yeah, I feel like him being over by the motorcycles, in a way it could have been, you know, Kundalini, you go be a lookout, make yeah. sure make sure there's no other motorcycle gang showing up. And it's like He's not paying attention at all. Yeah, he's far more interested he's fixing his bike. Fixing up his bike. Yeah. So it could be that he wasn't a lookout. It could be that he just would rather work on his bike right. than hang That's out on the beach. Right. That's how he was spending his leisure time. Yeah. And some people are sleeping in, some people are drinking, some people are exercising, some people are looking wistfully out to the ocean. Yeah, and Kundalini it, is fixing his bike. And the idea that he would be a lookout as if the acolytes would be intimidated by anybody that they would need to keep an eye out for. Well, they just don't strike me as the kind of gang that would necessarily worry about security. Well, information is power. Mm-hmm. And if they know somebody's coming, then they can act accordingly. Yeah. And if that was the point of him being over there by the motorcycles, of letting them know that someone's coming. Right. Then he didn't do a very good job. Then he didn't do a very good job. What I kind of like is that not only do we see Kundalini over by his motorcycle, but there's a chain draped across his yes. seat, yes. which is going to come into play pretty soon. Pretty soon. <laughs> okay. Uh, then Jesse pulls into the ice cream shop, like parking area, and catches the attention of Starbuck and Mudguts mm-hmm. out on the beach, and they're at a campsite. Yeah, they set up like a little tent, and I gotta wonder if this specific style of tent, because it's got about like. I think six posts. Six posts. And then it's got some fabric draped across the top. And I yeah. gotta wonder if that was something that the production crew designed and put together or if it's something that the cast came up with as they were riding from Sydney down to Melbourne. Because they did that whole two, three day ride. Yeah, and they camped along overnight. the way. Yeah. So I gotta wonder if they came up with the idea of stringing something up like that with the materials they had on the bikes mm-hmm. while they were riding and then incorporated that into the set dressing of the movie. 
Well, I was wondering about the permanence of this campsite mm-hmm. because the posts used for the tent seem quite substantial and they're quite long. Yeah. And it seems like it'd be very awkward to load up on a bike. But then I was reminded that at one point they do have a truck, but does the, is that truck a permanent part of their caravan? Yeah. Or was that just, we're going to borrow it because we got to move a coffin? I'm going to guess that they borrowed the ute to move the coffin and that as far as those posts are concerned, I mean, if you bundle all of them up, yeah, it'd be pretty beefy. Yeah, but if you split them, you don't think they're too long? I've seen, I mean, I've seen motorcycles with flagpoles on the back of them before. True. Like huge six, eight foot tall flagpoles before. So the idea of a post kind of sticking up off the back of a bike Uh or maybe tied lengthwise yeah down a motorcycle doesn't seem too out of the ordinary it could also be that they just stole that wood that's very true they could have just built through this thing together with found Mm -hmm. stuff because each one of those bikes has a little bundle on it yes has some sort of tarp or blanket or some sort of bindle that they can store stuff in yes so you think this is not like a permanent base Oh, no. They're just moving around, crashing wherever. Yeah. It makes sense that they would go beach to beach because those are always the nicest place to stay. You know, plenty of sun. It's always fairly warm. I mean, the part of Australia they're in is... Yeah, it's fairly warm. Pretty agreeable. Uh, But in this shot where Starbuck sits up, we we can see several members of the gang. Obviously, Starbuck is in the front. He's our focus. But a little bit further back, sitting up against the middle post, is Clunk. And I think he's like... Sitting there drinking out of a bottle or something like that. Yeah, it seems. I kind of caught the glint of glass in it as he was moving his arm. But especially interesting is what's <laughs> happening past Clunk because... There's legs everywhere. Yeah, like one pair of legs is Toe Cutter. And I think the other pair is Diabondo. Okay. Because we see Diabondo later on. Okay. But yeah, they're like laying on their back throwing their feet up in the air and it's like i don't know if they're doing some sort of weird yoga or if it's a stretch or well we've seen them stretching before yeah so we know that relatively speaking they take care of themselves physically especially you know they spend a lot of time on their bikes which is not great for your body so i think it's just yeah stretching out yeah it just looks so weird. It does. Like you look, look over so and it's weird. just legs. You're like, what is going on here? I don't know. I don't get. I don't get it. And then of course, Bubba. Uh huh. Always the unique Bubba, one in the group, standing the furthest back. Yeah. In my notes, I describe him as posing for the cover of his Christian rock CD. That's so perfect. Just standing there, staring out at the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> You know, (laughs) it wouldn't surprise me if this is already out there, but I would love to see the cuts of Bubba Zanetti used to make like a a music video. Mm -hmm. I think that would be pretty excellent. It would have to be a pretty moody song, that's for sure. Yeah, Yeah, it would be emo. Absolutely. (laughs) But he's always a fantastic presence. Even when when he's not part of the scene, you find him in the background. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he sticks out. I mean, it's hard to mistake that platinum blonde hair. (laughs) Yeah. So we go from the shot of Starbucks sitting up and turning around to this quick shot of Jesse carrying Sprague into the shop. Mm -hmm. And then we go back to Starbucks and suddenly, boom, out of nowhere, Mudguts is there. Yep. (laughs) And Starbuck makes a comment about Sunday dinner has arrived. He says, look what's turned up for Sunday dinner. And Mudguts replies, main course and dessert. 
And Starbuck follows that up with my favorite kind, female. Yes. Now, real quick before we dive into the content of what they're saying and what it means, is Starbuck affecting a particularly menacing voice? I feel like he is, because this is not the same Starbuck voice we heard back on the pier. Yeah. It's more gravelly. Yes. So I, I think he's trying to talk mean. It's kind of like a like a Popeye impression. You remember those old Popeye cartoons? Yeah. Where it just sounded like a rock polisher. Yes. Where every time he tried to talk, it's that exact same type of thing. Absolutely. So his statement about recognizing that there are two people there, Jesse and Sprague, mm-hmm. brought the question to my mind. Do we have seen what they do to cars? And we have seen what they do to women. What are they going to do to that baby? That's a good question. That's a whole nother level of evil doing anything to that baby. I just can't imagine it. We've learned a lot about what they're capable of and the attitude with which they do it. And it's scary in and of itself. That is scary. But then what? I Oh my gosh. The baby. Yeah. It kind of makes me wonder if Mudguts is a Jonathan Swift fan. So Jonathan Swift was uh, an 18th century satirist and he wrote the piece called A Modest Proposal. It's all about the idea that you would take the children from the poor Irish mothers and just eat the children. Written from the point of view of a rich English aristocrat who has no regard for the humanity of the poor. Um, (laughs) I would like to think that they would not eat the baby. Like literally, that they would not literally eat people but i don't know i mean the way they talk about them and the way they move and act they they really seem like they're ravenous and they're going to eat them yeah and it's like the whole metaphor that they use here starting off with look what's turned up for sunday dinner and it's like it just raises so many questions and it's like yeah it could just be Starbuck bringing up a metaphor, Mudguts running with the metaphor. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, it could be that. But still, just... the question is, what are they going to do to these people? Yes. And unfortunately, like, we have no idea. Like, we've seen, like you said, exactly what they do. But at the same time, it's like, I just don't, I don't know. I don't want to think of it. Yeah. I don't want to entertain the thought. <laughs> because... As they start to move, they don't, like, stand up and start walking. No, they, like, they, like crawl. crawl. It's, yeah. It's very creepy. Very creepy. Very, like, bottom feeder-ish. That's probably the best way to describe it. Yes. The whole idea that these are these are the bottom feeders, these are the scavengers of mm-hmm. the wasteland. And we're not even in the wasteland yet. No. This is still, like, a semi-thriving small little beach community. Mm-hmm. That still has, like, shops and you can still get your car repaired. Yeah. And, you know, (laughs) this is still proper society here. Yeah, and these are not people that you want hanging around in popular society. Not at all. Better they just get on their bikes and go. Yes. So as Starbuck and Mudguts crawl off towards the shop, it catches the attention of of Toe Cutter and Bubba. Yeah. And real quick, Toe Cutter, he like, so he's laying on the beach with his feet up above his head. Yeah. And then he like flops them back down on the ground, sits up and s- so derpy. Yeah, it's not 
his usual, like, eagle-eyed, in-control expression. No. It's just, he's almost looking at the situation like he's wondering what's going on. Right, because he hasn't been paying attention. Yeah. He's been doing his own thing, and he just now caught on that something's starting. Yeah, and of course, because Toe is sitting up and paying attention, Bubba has turned, and he's kind of, you know, like, oh. looking over his shoulder. Yeah. Like, oh, the boss has moved. Yes. I better pay attention. Mm-hmm. And you notice that... Bubba doesn't seem to be wearing his normal getup. No, he's wearing like a uh, like a jumpsuit, like a lot. Wow, can I like anymore? So rewind. He's wearing a jumpsuit very similar to Grease Rats, and so, I, similar to like a classic mechanic jumpsuit. So instead of his usual leather, it looks like he's wearing more of a fabric onesie. Yes, so to speak. Yeah, I didn't want to call it a onesie because I don't a, know. Bubba doesn't wear onesies. It's a full body jumpsuit. Yes, is what we're saying. Yes. Uh, it makes me wonder if part of the point of this particular stop is to do some maintenance on the bikes. Mm. I'm sure that's an ongoing thing, that they're constantly checking up on their bikes. Uh, but a, a lot of them seem to be out of their leather. Mm-hmm. Definitely more casual. Yes. Of an arrangement. I mean, and there's at least two of wearing them. a poncho. <laughs> yeah, there's at least two of them who have like cape-like situations going on. Yeah. So... <laughs> They seem very relaxed, and I think this is a formal, we are taking a break, rest, maintain your bikes, stretch out, exercise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there was the question that kind of arose, is this the same beach they were at before? And I would say no. I would say no as well. For one, the pier. That's very clear. There's no pier Mm -hmm. here. Also, the women are all gone. Yes. They are now by themselves... You know, yes. not hanging around with other people. And so is the big group that we saw back in We Jerusalem. They're also gone. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty much... And we don't even see Johnny in this this whole scene, do we? Yeah, it's pretty much just the lieutenants that we see. Yeah, and Johnny perhaps has been demoted a bit. Probably. Yeah. I mean, the rest of the gang does commit, come back soon yeah i think uh maybe not next week maybe the week after like mm-hmm. they come back into the picture but it seems like this is pretty much the, the main exclusive group yeah and if they're there we don't see them yeah the rest of the guys at least yeah um so jesse comes out of the shop mm-hmm. she's got two ice cream cones no is sprog actually holding his he is or oh, okay that's yeah. all right so jesse is holding sprog in one arm and he's holding his ice I wonder cream. how many times the actor <laughs> dropped it <laughs> In the dirt. Uh, but yeah, he's got his ice cream. She's got an ice cream scoop there. And they look like maybe like one scoop. Like it doesn't look like a lot of ice cream. Yes. And I Which say. Which just reiterates that this wasn't filmed in America. Yeah. It, it reminds me that when you go over to, let's see, what's one of our favorite local ice cream spots? Stillwell's. When you order a small from Stillwell's, I think that's what, three scoops of ice I think cream? so. You I usually get, get Kitty, which is two scoops. Yeah, Kitty it's and then crazy. A, I think Junior is one, Kitty is two, small is three, medium is four, and large is five. Yes. And these are like, they don't use small ice cream scoops. No, they use like the paddles. Yeah. It's crazy. I only go there when I'm like dying for ice cream. Mm-hmm. It's the difference between America and literally everywhere else on the planet yeah. where Americans just get served so much food. Yes, absolutely. So much food. And so it's funny to see them walk out of this place with just these tiny little cones. Interesting thing about 
this shop that they come out of. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, that shop is a home. And that door they come out of has been kind of plastered over and just replaced with a window and whatnot. And even when they're filming here, this shop isn't necessarily a shop because all the signs that are covering it were just stolen by the production crew from another shop <laughs> and placed here. They went by a, a packy or something like that early in the morning, pulled down all the ads, ran over here, put them all up, filmed what they needed, and then brought the signs back. Well, at least they brought them back. Exactly. One of the signs, in fact, a lot of the signs are for uh, Schweppes products, specifically Solo soft drinks, which Solo is the original Aussie Thirst Crusher. Um, I watched... I watched one ad and then like saw the thumbnail for a bunch of other ones. Do you remember how Mountain Dew used to be advertised as like the extreme and hyper masculine oh, soft drink? Yes. You know? Yes. That's pretty much Solo. Like right. Solo is kind of, I think the main recipe for Solo is sort of a lemon lime flavoring, kind of like a Sprite. Oh, okay. But then they have all sorts of you know other flavors seltzery flavors or whatnot like orange and grape and all that stuff um i mean i've never had one i would not be able to compare it to coca-cola the great american product but i mean every country's got to have their own thing mm -hmm. i will always remain true to my black sugar water <laughs> i will never betray it Loyalty is important in Loyalty life. Loyalty is important in life. But before we ride out on this minute, Jesse's walking across the parking lot and all of a sudden she hears this meowing. Which, can can I say, is a very good meow. It's not a bad impression. Yeah. Um, She's not fooled. What is bad is that it's Mudguts perched up on top of the building. Absolutely. <laughs> I appreciate that she catches on so fast, right away, that she's in trouble, that she's not safe. She's not fooled. She's not... She's not acting naive. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a bit of a trope with a damsel who is about to be in distress that they don't know that they're in distress yet. Mm -hmm. That is not her. She knows right away yeah. that she's being followed, that she's being teased, that she isn't safe. Yeah. She knows. We're definitely going to talk about that a lot more because we see her come face to face with the toe cutter. Yes. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. So we're going to put a pin in this and pick it up where we leave off today. Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Our website is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash madmaxminute. Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute number 58. We'll see you tomorrow. Motorbikes and leather men Take me to the end of the dream Hold up tight, so it's short, feels right